Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? I said, how are we doing today? Everybody good? It's good to have you in the house in this brisk fall weather. It's good to be in church. Can we welcome the South or the Plaza location? Sorry. We're going to South tonight to pray. Hey, come out tonight. I'm just telling you, even just six, six to seven, one hour of power. I know you got kids going to school tomorrow and everything else, but it's going to be our first time really gathering, worshiping, and praying in that new space that God's provided for us. And we really believe it's going to be a time where heaven meets earth and God's going to do something powerful. Amen. Can we welcome not just the plaza, but those online and the mighty men of Lansing Correctional. We love you very much. You're awesome. You're amazing. Well, you can grab your seats, and as you do, uh, Plaza and North, let us thank the worship team for always preparing an opportunity to praise our God. As we're going to dig into the Word, we believe at Kingdom City Church we are building people who bring heaven to earth, and this message is a builder. In fact, I'm going to ask you a question today in just a few moments that I want it to become a filter that you make your decisions through. If you want to experience the very best of God in every area of your life, you have to start seeing things a little bit differently. And Jesus, when he began to preach and, and teach, in fact, about every time he opened up his mouth, he would start his sermon with this declaration. Hey, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is, is like. And he'd go on to tell a story, an illustration. We call them parables. Uh, just for us to understand the the context back then and in the first century was for people to understand, hey, this is how God works in your world. This is how God works in your life. This is how your faith is built. And we've been in this season of sermons called Kingdom Come. We've been looking at these, the kingdom of heaven, declarations and stories. And there's a story he tells about the soil, which represents your heart. Can it receive the word of God and can it grow? Are there other things in there that are stealing out what God wants to do, stopping the kingdom from growing? Last week we looked at, it's like a treasure that is hidden in a field, that it's worth exploring and it's worth leveraging all that you have so that you can own what matters the most. Uh, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a mustard seed. It starts out small. It seems insignificant at first, but it grows into something substantial. It ends significant. And Jesus says that we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, above all else. Top priority. So if it's top priority, how many think we should give it our focus, give it our attention, learn all that we can about it? We're going to look at the little tiny story called the Pearl of Great Price. Matthew 13. Starting in verse 45, again, here is Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a merchant. It's like a tradesman seeking beautiful pearls, looking for something valuable, who when he found one pearl of great price, one of great worth, he went and sold all that he had so that he could buy it. He had wanted that one thing so much, could see the value in that one that everything else that he had, he sold so he could own that one thing. This merchant, he knew what he was looking for, this one significant thing. And that one thing was worth trading everything for. We've got to also learn how to see past the, the basic and the everyday to not just the better things, but the God things, which we believe are the very best of things. 
to have the kingdom working in your marriage and the kingdom working in your raising of your family, the kingdom of God working in your career isn't just better than the world, it is the best thing of heaven showing up in our earthly life, in our earthly world. And I don't know if you know this, but the enemy of great isn't bad, it's good. It's like good enough, but God has great for you. The, the enemy of, of, of amazing is just above average. You're supposed to have an amazing marriage, not, not a perfect one, but an amazing one, not just above average. What's best in the long run isn't good, or, or, or maybe sometimes we choose the good or just the easy, the right now thing. Well, God actually wants us to live a life of sacrifice so we can have a life of greater significance. And he never asks anything of you that doesn't ultimately benefit and bless your life in the long run. That's what we believe. So I want you to start asking the question, it's the title of the message today, through the filter of your future when it comes to the kingdom of God, we're gonna talk about is this a now or next? Do I just get this right now or am I leaning into what God has for me next? Because if you want the very best of the kingdom, you have to be willing not to settle for average when you can have exceptional. Not a good enough marriage, no, we want a kingdom marriage. Not decent relationships, a couple of friends. No, we want friends of our future that make us into the person that we're called to be. We don't want just a little bit of purpose, a little bit of calling, a little bit of peace. No, we want destiny, fulfillment. We want everything that God has for us right here, right now. What do we need to give up now so that we can have for what God has for us next? Would you join me in prayer? Come on, Plaza Online, everyone. Let's take a moment, just get our hearts ready and prepared for the word to be planted and for God to show us where we might be missing it, but by his grace realigns us to who we're called to be right here, right now, so he can do what's next. Father God, we thank you. You're an amazing heavenly father. We're thankful for every dad in the house and in our upbringing. Maybe we had some great dads. Where they miss it, that's, that's just the way life goes, but you never miss it. Everything you ask of us is always because you're trying to get us in a place where you can do the exceptional, the better, your kingdom, growing and prospering in every area of our life. So, Lord, we have open ears and open hearts and open minds for you to speak. And, Holy Spirit, that's what we're tuning into. Let my words be drenched with your spirit so that you can speak to every heart. And, Lord, help us start leveraging this filter to see our future. Not through what's easy in the now, but what you're trying to do next. Something of significance in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get an amen? Amen and amen. I'm sure uh, you've seen some version of, of the social media clips uh, where parents record their unsuspecting toddler and they say, hey, we're going to give you one marshmallow. We're going to give you one cookie, one gummy bear, uh, one, one candy right now if you want it. And the, the toddler's always like, say less fam, I'm in. But they say, if you'll wait, maybe it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, if you'll wait, we'll give you two. And it's, it's very funny to watch them torture the children this way because they leave for a few minutes, but they leave the camera rolling and we see this kid, he begins to squirm, he, he, the kid begins to play with it. Some even give it a smell, maybe even a little taste. I saw one the other day where the kid just flat out ate it immediately, had no <laughs> self-control. And it's tempting to watch. And what they're trying to teach their kid and it's humorous to us, is the power of delayed gratification. That if you're willing to go slow, you can have more. 
if you're willing to wait, if you're willing to sacrifice in the now, there's more coming next. And it is natural to just go with what you have right now, to go with what's, what's easy. It's normal to go the path of least resistance. The, it's easy to have a normal marriage because you just do what's easy. You can have a normal career and mail it in like your coworkers do when the boss is not around, and that's what you're gonna have. You're gonna have average. You can have a normal family and, and not discipline and sacrifice, invest, not teach them the ways of God's word. And you go easy, but if you go easy, you're gonna get average. And as a believer, as a child and a son of God, as marriages and families are called to, from one generation to the next, proclaim the glory of God, we're not called to do what's easy, and we're not called to be normal. We wanna be abnormal. So we can't go with just what is natural. We actually have to go above what's natural. We actually need to do what's supernatural. And there's a gift from the Holy Spirit that will begin to be a filter in your life that you can start choosing. I don't want just what, he, what I have right now. I wanna be a part of what God wants to do next. And the world always offers on an easy platter that thing that just doesn't cost you anything. It's low-lying fruit, but it's actually not fruit at all. It's actually rotten to its core. That's the way that the world works. The world always gives you easy, shortcut instant gratification that leaves you empty. First John chapter two from the New Living Translation, starting in verse 16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. This is all the world offers. These, uh, it says, are not from the Father, but they're from this world. And this world is fading away. In other words, it is temporary to have these things along with everything that people crave. One day it's here, it's gone the next, but anyone who does what pleases the Father won't just have what is now, they're gonna have what is next. They're gonna have something that lasts and they're gonna live forever. The King James, it talks about, translation says, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And pretty much every pitfall and every shortcut and every struggle in all of our lives falls in one of those three categories. It's something that just feels good in the moment, so why not do it? It feels good to say, so why not go ahead and say it? This is my natural reaction to this situation. This is my single thing that's in front of me right now. I'm gonna go ahead and take it. It's uh, the lust of the eyes. It's the things that you want, the things that you covet, the things that you need, think you need to have right now. It's the pride of life. It's positioning yourself like you're better than anybody else or you've got all the right answers. And these are the three pitfalls that will make now decisions keep you trapped in less than God's best. But it says this now thing is fading away, but God's kingdom things will actually be next. They're gonna live forever. And most people prefer the easy offer and they always will settle for less than God's best but I am not speaking to those ordinary people. I'm speaking to sons and daughters of God that wanna be in on what God wants to do next and wanna have a life that is lasting and significant. In fact, we see even Bible heroes take the easy offer often. First people interacting with God of all time in the Bible did the easy thing. 
God says, hey, you can have everything else for forever, but not that thing. And the enemy came and says, hey, doesn't that look tempting? Doesn't that, don't you think that would be great? Get with the pride of life. You're gonna know the things that God knows. There's gonna be no separation between you and God. Go ahead and do it. And sadly, they fell into it. And they made a now decision that cost them, will cost all of us the next thing that God was gonna do. I think about Moses. Moses, whose life was spared as a baby for something significant to be the deliverer of God's people. And, and, and he sees an Egyptian taskmaster beating up one of his fellow Hebrews, and he does the now thing that felt good in the moment and takes matters into his own hands in his own anger and rage. And guess what? He gave in to his anger, and it cost him 40 years of frustration. Maybe that's been your story. You've done the easy thing or haven't been disciplined in your decisions. Well, I think like Moses, it might cost you a season of struggle or a time of wandering, but just like Moses, you can still fulfill the promise and the destiny of God in your life. I think about David the king, who we know fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. But it says that when it was time for the kings to go to war, in other words, when he should have been at battle, he was on the balcony. He was on the rooftop walking around, strolling, and all of a sudden he sees, behold Bathsheba. And he sees that thing that he wanted right now. And went ahead and took it, did the easy thing, covered it up, and it cost him, it almost cost him everything, a season of unbelievable pain. And this parable that we have here that Jesus tells us with the pearls is Jesus trying to teach us something. And we all know that the kingdom is actually free. To have salvation, a free gift made available through a costly sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We know the kingdom is actually free, but to grow in the kingdom, there is normally a cost. There's normally a sacrifice now for the thing God wants to build in you, grow in you, do through you, Next, it has a cost, but we live in an instant gratification generation. We can want everything in the here and now. We know this, if it feels good, do it. If they have it, so should I. If it makes you look good and postures you above people, go for it. Who are other people trying to stop you from being your very best? You can do whatever you like, and you can. You can keep making now decisions but it will always cost you what God wants to do next in your life. Think about the prodigal son, another parable of Jesus. Tells us the story of, of the ungrateful young man, the younger brother, who just wanted his inheritance now. Luke chapter 15 says, the younger son told his father, I want my share, I want my part, I want my portion of the estate now, before the right time, before you pass on. We know that it cost him everything. And of course, we know that the father who represents our God went running down the hill to embrace him, but not without a season of struggle. And I pray that you would feel the embrace of your heavenly father in every area of your life right now. That even when you've made shortcut decisions and gone the easy way, the path of least resistance, that you would feel the embrace of your God bringing you back into a place where you can start making right now decisions that are going to lead you to the next thing that God has for you. When we speak about inheritance, there's a story in the Old Testament that perfectly shows us the picture of people trading in, the, trading in a, something of greater value for things of lesser value. If you will, it's the antithesis of the uh, pearl of great price. 
And we see that people tend to trade the ultimate thing that God wants to do next for the temporal and immediate thing that we can have right now. This Old Testament story is about inheritance. It's about birthright, which was a big deal. Now, if you're the firstborn, that just means you get to help be the third parent of the younger children. But back then, it was a big deal, especially to be the firstborn son. It meant that one day you would lead the family, that the estate would be in your hands. You would have some more responsibility, but you'd also get double the inheritance. You would have more reward. Genesis chapter 25, one day when Jacob was cooking up some stew, Esau came in from the open country, and it says he was, he was famished. He was hungry. So he says to his younger brother, Jacob, quick, quick, let me have some of that red stew. And the Bible was very specific about the color of the stew because he wanted you to know that it was red, and red is always special. Amen? <laughs> Never mind. Not a funny joke. Not funny at all. But notice what he says first. He says, quick. I want it quick. I want the quick fix. I, I'm so famished. He, he in fact, goes on to say, because um, Jacob, whose name actually means deceiver, he's, he's one who tricks people. Jacob, who would later be named Israel, Jacob says, sure, go ahead and give me your birthright. Seemingly an off-the-cuff response, and, and Esau just doesn't seem like he cares all that much about it in a flippant moment, just says, sure, you can have it, because what good is a birthright if I die? I'm so famished, I could, I need this so bad that I just, uh, why not just take what I can have right now? Give me the quick thing, give me the now thing. I don't care about the next thing. And in that moment, it began this journey where he would actually lose that birthright. He'd actually lose that place of prominence, importance, that position he was called to hold. In fact, we see in our Bible, in fact, we sing about it today. We sing the God of Jacob. Like, we want the God of Jacob. We did not sing the God of Esau. Why? Because Esau gave up more than he bargained for by making the quick now decision. The Bible, in fact, says over and over again, it's the God of Abraham that we serve. It's the God of Isaac that we serve. It's the God of Jacob that we serve. Esau had no idea that we wouldn't be singing his name because he made a quick decision in the now that derailed his destiny because I've gotta have it now because I need it now. And forgot about everything that God would do for him next. And we look at the story and every one of us would say, how dumb was Esau? How short-sighted was Esau? How like flippant with something so valuable? Who would trade double inheritance and leadership in the family for soup. And I, for one, hate soup because it's like a liquid meal. If I'm doing that, I'm having a smoothie, but I digress. Like, of all things, you're going to trade something so special for something that's barely even filling, definitely not satisfying in the long run. Who would all do that? Who would do that? I think we all know we do that. We do it all the time. In fact, probably every one of us knows someone who's done that over and over and over again. Someone who's destroyed their next, destroyed their future for something now, something quick, something that felt like an immediate payoff. This is how addictions happen. This is how promiscuity happens. 
This is how brokenness in families that separate people happen. It's little now decisions that we don't think about what could happen next because we just want something quick here and now. This is how people get in debt with credit cards because they've got to have it now. So what does your bowl of soup look like? What's that thing that you feel like, I've, I've been trading something better for something that's just here and now? What's that easy thing that you might not be aware of might be costing you everything in the next season? This isn't Bible, it's actually far from it. It's Greek mythology, but it helps us understand the story. It's the story of Achilles. Achilles, it says, was the bravest, the most handsomest, the greatest warrior, probably also a redhead, who knows? But the story goes that his mom dipped him in this myth. He dipped him in this river. It was like a magic river. And so every part of him was undefeatable. Like you couldn't kill the guy except the heel that she held him in when she dipped him. Again, more seemingly child torture going on here. And that Achilles heel, as we call it, became his liability. Eventually, an enemy pierced him with an arrow in that place and was able to defeat him because he had a weakness that wasn't covered, his weak spot. I think every one of us have a weak spot. It might be the pride of life. It might be that we've got to talk about other people to position ourselves higher than others, and it feels good now, but it stopped what God wants to do next. I already spoke about promiscuity. I think about sexual fulfillment. We know it just feels good in the moment. I'm going to do it now because I don't want to wait, but it's going to cost us that longevity in the relationship and the blessing of heaven in that area of our life because we take the shortcut. I think everyone has a weak spot. Everyone's got the bowl of soup. Everyone's got a blind spot, a soft spot. Maybe we could even call it a compromised place in our life. That's why the Bible says every day that we put on the full armor of God now so that then we can stand against the enemy. You choose what you put on now, your perspective now, your decision-making now, so that in your future you'll be ready for what God does next. Listen, there's no magic river that we're dipping ourselves into today, but there is a mentality. There is a filter. There's a perspective that believes, listen, write this down, that next is always better than now. In fact, this is the way that the kingdom operates. Does God want to surprise you with special things in the here and now? Oh, yes, he does. You woke up this morning to fresh grace and fresh mercy, and I think there's blessings from God today for your life. But the very best things of the kingdom of God always come in a season where you stay uh, focused on right decisions, right living, framing your life with a biblical mindset, and over time, like that mustard seed, something small now becomes something great then it becomes something great next next is always better than now proverbs 16 says this verse 32 better to be patient than powerful better to have self-control than to conquer a city in other words it's better to have these unseen things at work in your life to have the things that everyone else can see in your life disciplined decisions now produce destiny opportunities next. This is the way that God works. And at Kingdom City Church, we love to give up something now. Things that we like now, we'll give up because we love what God is going to do next. We're willing to be different now 
because normal doesn't work anymore in this world. I don't want a normal marriage. I don't want normal kids. I don't want a normal church. So we might have to make some different decisions now so we can get in on what God wants to do next. Think about it. This morning, while you were asleep, there were people that got up early. They made a now decision to not sleep in so that we could have worship so that they could serve the next generation of world changers and kingdom kids. There's people, I got to the plaza location at 6.45 this morning, and there was like 15 people there before me. Why, well, they made a decision, but no one else was watching. When there was no limelight, when there was no stage, when there was no one else in the room, they made a now decision with a focus on what God could do next. I believe about 90% of the people in the room that morning when I got in there were not paid in the moment there's no W-2 coming for them at the end of the year. They were servants in God's house. I realize that can't be for everybody, but that mentality should be for all of us. That what are we willing to do when no one else is seeing so that we can be a part of what no one else is experiencing? Because they carry this character mindset that it's kingdom, kingdom first if you're never sacrificing in the surrender of building up other people in the community of faith, you're missing out on the next thing that God has for you. So that's why you go to Next Steps today and get connected. Horrible plug-in, but it worked. Because God wants to do something next in your life, and sometimes a season of sacrifice is the only way to see and to seize the next season God has for you. So what do we do? We invest in the next and how do we get there? This pearl merchant knew what he was looking for. He knew how to spot something of greater worth. So we have to start changing our perspective, not just what we want now, but what we believe is gonna be worth more in the next season. And how do we do that? Well, the more we walk with God, the more we talk with God, the more we begin to worship God, the more we pray and communicate with God, which is two-sided, it's not just speaking out, it's also listening, the more we frame our daily decisions with the word of God, the more we learn to tune into the whisper of the spirit of God, the more time we spend with him, the more we begin to see the thing he wants to do next, and it makes our now decisions so much easier. And we'll, start, we'll stop trading the next thing for the, the now thing. Psalms 37 verse four tells us that we delight ourselves. If you will delight yourself, no one else is gonna do it for you. You gotta do it for yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think I've said this many times, but I think that works both ways. You have deep planted on the inside of you, God dreams, God promises, God potential. We call it destiny, it's your legacy, it's your lineage, it's the future, it's the next thing that God's called you to be and who you're becoming. And the more you delight in him, the more those things come to life. I also think it means this, that when we start delighting ourselves first and foremost, seeking his kingdom first with our life, he begins to change some of our desires. In fact, the Hebrew word there for delight is onag. Onag. You didn't think you were gonna hear that today. It means to become pliable. It means not rigid, to soften, to become pliable. So delighting is it like, oh, I'm so excited and I'm filled with joy at every moment to surrender hard things to God. No, it means I'm learning to become moldable. I don't have it all figured out. 
I'm not the gatekeeper of all my future. I'm learning to become made new or reimagined, renewed. I'm being made soft towards the things of God. I'm moldable. I'm moldable. And the more time we spend delighting in him, the more he softens us on his potter's wheel and takes something from the earth. That's us. That's what Adam means. The, the first man means from the earth. Takes our ordinary life and it begins to mold us into something beautiful. That's why the Bible says that you're a masterpiece created, right? You're created in Christ Jesus. He's creating something great. And right now, it feels like his hand's on me. And right now, it feels like he's softening me. And right now, he's getting rid of some of my hard edges and some of my stubbornness and some of my disobedience and some of my pride. And he's dealing with lust in my heart and he's dealing with issues I've had. And he's making me pliable. Why? So he could form me brand new in Christ to who I've always been called to become. He's renewing and redeeming me. And so we get into this moment where we start making right now decisions, thinking about the next thing of what God is doing. It looks like self-denial every once in a while. But that's actually not just a sacrifice of you gritting your way to try to become more godly. No, it's actually spiritual development. And God begins to soften you and he begins to shape you into the kind of person that can fulfill your purpose, your future that he has for you. Galatians chapter five. So I say, Paul writes, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You won't just do the now thing. The sinful nature wants you to do what is, what is evil which is the opposite of what the Spirit of God wants for you. And the Spirit will give us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Listen, every one of us have a flesh and a propensity to go the easy way. But every one of us have this seed that's been planted called your in Christ potential. That when it gets watered, that water that makes us pliable, that softens up the soil and surrender of our heart, it begins to grow us up into our future, who we're called to become in Christ. And then if you're always at battle, listen, if you're always at battle with just carnal things, always going the wrong way, always choosing the now thing, I promise you, you are not spending enough time with the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow morning, let your first prayer, first things out of your mouth, besides, God, I hate Mondays. Let it be, Holy Spirit, I want your voice. Show me what needs to be a red light where I've just been going on greens. Show me where there's a yellow, where I need to slow down and, and, and perceive, is this God's best now so it can set me up for what you want to do next? Holy Spirit, change my desires if you're always just trying to grit your teeth, bite your lip, will power your way, you'll get a little bit of the way, but you're gonna wear out. You need a supernatural strength from heaven to sustain you, to soften you, to encourage you, to energize you, to start choosing the ways of God. And before you know it, your next season will be filled with, man, with better things, costlier pearls, something of greater value. So my question is, when it's now or next, what's the soup in your life right now? What's that Achilles heel? What's that situation scenario, that easy thing that you've been allowing for far too long? 
What is it? What's that one thing that's become a weak spot? It talks about in Proverbs that the enemy fires arrows just like Achilles was shot. Like the enemy loves to fire arrows that pierce us in the inside. Where's that place you need the armor of God? You need to sure up something that has been a weakness. Jesus has this encounter with this man of great significance. He's a young man. Like we don't know his name. We just know three things about him. He's rich. That's the first thing we know about him. He's young and he's a ruler. Sounds like someone I think everyone would aspire to have a little more of in their life, a little more wealth, a little younger. Am I the only one? And, and to have some influence, some power, some authority. This is a magistrate most likely. And to be in that position probably meant he was doing a lot of things right. In fact, he tells Jesus, I'm doing a lot of things right, but I'm still missing something. Something just feels off. In Matthew 19, he comes to Jesus, and this man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do? What do I got to do now so I can have eternal life? He's asking the question, what do I need to do now so I can get in on what's next? He said, Jesus says, hey, you got you to gotta obey everything. Jesus kind of gives him this rigid answer, obey everything. He says, okay, I, I've kept all these. I can check those boxes, but I still lack something. I still haven't found what I'm looking for next. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, then go and sell your possessions. Give to the poor. You're going to have treasure in heaven. Then you can come, then you can come be one of my disciples. Listen, that was a one-time thing for the area of Achilles' heel, of soup for his own soul. That was his struggle. That doesn't mean every single one of us have to sell everything we have to follow Jesus. It just means that Jesus needs to be priority in everything in our life. That's why we seek kingdom first. And this guy, Jesus called him on his one spot. Jesus called him on his one weak point. Jesus called him upon that one issue, most likely the pride of life in this area of his life. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great resource. He had great wealth. I just think about that story about, we don't know his name. Like Esau, we don't sing his name. We sing Jacob. Jacob, far from perfect, but Jacob had that blessing. Jacob had that favor on his life. This guy could have been the most gifted, anointed, obviously had status, and he could fund so much for what Jesus' ministry. I love that Jesus doesn't lower the bar, though. Jesus says, you, I've got to be Lord over everything in your life, or you can't even follow me. So we never know his name. We just know he missed the opportunity. In the same way, let's not let something we're just doing right now. Stop us from the beautiful thing that God wants to do next. What is that one thing? What's that heel? What's that soup for you? What's the obedience in one area? Where's the lowered standard? Oftentimes, I think as Western American Christians, we think just being a little bit better than the world is enough. Like, we don't do that. Whatever that insert X thing is. We don't, we don't do that. But the world is just going on a downward trajectory. So if we're just a little bit better than the world, guess what? We're just hovering on the same down curve. When God actually wants to take your life from strength to strength and from glory to glory and from faith to faith, he wants you to make decisions right now that set you up for something that's never been done in your family and maybe it's never been done on the earth. He wants to lead your life in a place where there is a legacy and a lineage and a blessing that isn't just for the here and now, it's for then and eternity. Next and eternity. What's that area of obedience? Maybe it's an unforgiveness. Maybe it's a bitterness. 
Maybe it is finances. It's normally one of the last places maturing believers give over to God. Maybe it's just trusting with your future. You feel like you've got to control and manipulate everything now. Not let anyone in now. You've got to self-protect. I want to tell you that if that has been you, God wants to meet you today and give you a right now opportunity to never allow that heel to hold you back or that soup to steal the blessing. There is the blessing and favor of God on your life if you'll start making now decisions with the next thing that God wants to do in mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, and today is the day of salvation. On the Plaza of North, why don't we stand to our feet? I want to pray for us right now for God to begin to show you how you can trust him more in this next season. There's a pearl of great price. It is worth leveraging all the little things that you hold dear for the greatest thing that God has in store for you. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for every heart and every life, every husband, every wife, every father, every mother, every individual, every believer. They are a son and daughter of a most high God who loves us so much. Lord, where we have missed it, where we've gone the path of least resistance, where we keep making now decisions and boycotting the next thing you want to do, Lord, we thank you. Your day of salvation has met us in a place that we're ready to receive grace. Grace to grow and grace to change. We thank you that you're highlighting an area or two or maybe several in our heart where we've been on a slide down. But your word and your Holy Spirit are corresponding and working together to call us up for the next thing you have in store for us. So Lord, I thank you. We're not going the path of least resistance. We're taking the narrow path. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way and few to find it. Lord, I believe I'm speaking at Kingdom City Church to the few those that are finding the, the, the place where maybe we have to walk a little differently, but it leads us into a place we can never get on our own. So God, I thank you. The next thing you have in store for us is filled with your blessing, your fulfillment, the future you have in store for us. Where we have missed it, we repent, which means we're not going down that path anymore. We are going your way. And I thank you as we begin to filter our future with now or next decisions, we will choose in the now the thing that will lead us to the place of next. Let the pearl of great price be the thing we give our life for, the kingdom of God above all else. And you will bless us with everything we need to be everything you've called us to be on this journey in the mighty name of Jesus. On the Plaza North, if you receive that, if you believe that, if you're ready to go God's way for the next thing he has, can we give him a little bit of praise and a little bit of worship? Let's give him our whole heart.